In our talk today, I will be sharing some thoughts on praise and worship, concentrating mainly on thanksgiving and praise. We will be dealing with some heart issues and hard issues. If you are a veteran in praise and worship, I hope you will be encouraged to keep doing what you are doing. If you are new to praise and worship, I hope this message will inspire you to take those first steps of faith to worship Him. If you do not know Jesus as your personal Saviour, I hope that you will see that God loves you so much that He sent Jesus to die for your sins and mine. I've been saved for 30 years. It's the best decision I have ever made and I have absolutely no regrets. Come rain or shine, He's the God you can trust with your life. Before we go into the details of thanksgiving and praise, let us first look at how the Jews in the Old Testament used to praise and worship God. Remember that everything in the Old Testament has been described to us as examples or shadows of what is to come in our current age. So, let's look at the tabernacle. This tabernacle was situated in the middle of the Israelite camp. This is made out of three parts, the outer court, the inner court, and the Holy of Holies. As you pass through a great gateway and enter into the outer court, you will find certain articles. These are the altar of burnt offering and the laver or basin. Now, firstly, let's talk about the altar of burnt offering. This is an altar whereby animals had to be sacrificed for the sins of the people in the Old Testament. But praise God, Jesus Christ has himself become our sacrifice of sin. We don't have to offer animal sacrifices anymore, but rather sacrifices of thanksgiving for what Christ has done for us. The second item, as I mentioned, is a laver or basin which holds the water for the priests to wash when they went in to minister or serve in the tabernacle. This is made of the bronze taken from looking glasses or mirrors donated by the women that assemble at the door of the tabernacle. These were not any ordinary women, but women who have devoted themselves to serve the Lord. These looking glasses were precious items to the women of that age, and they signify three things. Firstly, the sacrifice of devout women who wholeheartedly served the Lord, just like Anna the prophetess in the New Testament. This shows that nothing was too precious to the women to sacrifice to the Lord. Secondly, the giving of the mirrors signify a sign of repentance possibly from a previous life of vanity and pride. 1 Peter chapter 3 says that God desires not outward beauty, but a gentle and quiet spirit, which are great worth in God's sight. He desires women who are submissive to their husbands, who do what is right and do not give way to fear. Thirdly, the looking glasses or mirrors used to make this bronze basin signify the word of God because this, this basin is very shiny on its surface 
And the word of God is described like a glass or mirror in which we may see our faces and blemishes of sin. In the same way, we need to confess our sins as revealed by the word of God and be washed by the blood of Christ that we may be fit to serve the holy God in holy duties. A time of preparation before we come to worship the Lord is encouraged. We then come on to the inner court. This is also known as the holy place and is a courtyard surrounded by curtains. No one dared enter the holy place unless he was a priest. The inner court signifies the Old Testament church, which was only for Israel at that time. However, notice that the curtains surrounding the inner court can be folded, extended, and enlarged. This means that after Christ's work on the cross, the church is no longer confined to the Jews, but includes the whole world. The colors of the curtains were made of blue, purple, and scarlet material, which reminds us of Christ, his blood shed for us, and his royalty. Finally, we come to the Holy of Holies. Behind a veil inside the holy place is the Holy of Holies. The only piece of furniture in this place was the Ark of the Covenant, including the cherubim of mercy with their wings touching each other over the ark. And into that place only the high priest could go and only once a year under the most rigid and precise conditions. However, when Christ died on the cross, the view separating us from the Holy of Holies was torn in two. We have now direct access to God through the finished work of Christ. Remember, the tabernacle was only a shadow of things to come. Today, because of what Christ has done, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The body can be likened to the outer court, the soul where we have our emotions, will and interaction with one another can be likened to the inner court and the spirit where the Holy Spirit dwells is the Holy of Holies where we can worship in an intimate way with our God. Psalm 100 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. There are three basic stages of worship. First, thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is dependent on what God has done. It gets us through the gates. Praise is the second, which is dependent on who God is. And finally, worship is when we enter the inner chamber. This is where a whisper to the king gets the job done. So let's talk about thanksgiving. Psalm 100 Verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So let's look at the gates that we open with thanksgiving and also what closes the gate. So there are five gates that I want to talk about with regards to thanksgiving. First, thanksgiving opens the gate of God's grace. 
Now, one of the root words of thanksgiving in Hebrew is charis, which means grace. There are many other Hebrew words as well that um, refers to thanksgiving. But let's just concentrate on this word grace. So, for example, giving thanks for food is also called grace before meals. When we give thanks or grace to God, He gives grace back to us. If we just thought in our hearts that we felt thankful for something that someone gave to us, it doesn't affect the giver. But if we say thank you, the giver wants to give us more. So, for example, the story of Jesus feeding the 4,000. When Jesus gave thanks for the food, which was seven loaves and two fishes, a miracle happened and 4,000 people were fed. On the other hand, ungratefulness closes the gate. For example, the Israelites grumbled against God in the desert. And what happened? It took them 40 years to reach the promised land. Number two, thanksgiving opens the gate of God's deliverance. Psalm 50 verse 14 and 15 says, Sacrifice thanks offerings to God. Fulfill your vows to the Most High. And call upon me in a day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honor me. So the key word in this psalm is and. If we want to see God's deliverance, we need to give thanks even if it is difficult. It's a sacrifice. And to keep the promises you have made to God. Fulfill your vows. Let me ask you, have you made a promise to God but have not kept it? Have you said you would spend more time in prayer or studying the word or giving to missions or serving in the church? Let's keep our promises. Psalm 50 verse 23 goes on to say, He who sacrifices thank offerings honors me and he prepares the way so that I will show him the salvation of God. When we give thanks, it honors God. And the word of God says, when we honor God, God honors us. And he also promises to guide us to our deliverance. What blessings we have missed because we have stopped giving thanks. However, the same psalm comes with a warning in verse 19 and 20. It says, you use your mouth for evil and harness your tongue to deceit. You speak continually against your brother and slander your own mother's son. So we need to beware against speaking evil against our own family or friends or even enemies. This will close the gate of your deliverance. Let me ask you, when we are not giving thanks, what are we saying? When we are at work or just having coffee with our friends, are we speaking with envy, gossiping, complaining, grumbling? The world always has a tendency to look at the negative side of things. Bad news seems to always make the headlines. In James chapter 3, verse 9, we are warned. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men, who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. So we should, however, do as the Bible commands us to. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Number three, 
Thanksgiving opens the gate of life. Before raising Lazarus from the dead, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you that you have heard me. Something amazing happens when you start thanking God in advance for saving you, protecting you, and providing for you. The tongue has the power of life and death, Proverbs 18.21. What gate are you opening? Are you closing the gate of life and opening the gate of death? Those who love it, that means the tongue, i.e. what we speak, will eat its fruit. What fruit are you speaking forth today? Is it love, peace, joy, or bitterness, hate, unforgiveness? Let us make our words sweet, lest we have to swallow it. The Bible warns us about letting the root of bitterness to grow up in our spirit. This must not happen. When you give thanks, your faith begins to soar, and you gain the confidence to command those things in your life that you thought were dead to live again. Could it be a desire to praise and worship? A desire to use your gifts to serve? in Sunday school, or the youth, or in cell group? Thanksgiving also opens the gate of miracles. When Jonah ended up inside the whale, he told God, I will sacrifice to you with thanksgiving. And when he did, God made the fish spit him up onto dry land. On the other hand, an unbelieving heart closes the gate. When you're down in the pits, that's when you need to raise your voice and praise God. Nothing demonstrates real trust like thanking Him when you're in the throes of crisis. Finally, thanksgiving opens the gate of peace. Have you ever felt anxious and worried about all the stuff that was happening in life? Have you ever prayed over and over again but still ended up worrying? Let me read to you Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present requests to God, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The key to peace of mind is not just to pray, but to include thanksgiving, expressing your faith that God will listen and answer your prayers according to his word and his will. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus can give us a peace that the world cannot give, a supernatural peace in the midst of the storm. Let me remind you of the story of Jesus who was able to sleep in a disciple's boat when it was being tossed and turned by a very, very a strong storm. It was so, the storm was so strong that even the disciples who were fishermen thought they were going to die. Or let me remind you of Peter the Apostle who managed to sleep in prison the night before his trial or possible execution. So Jesus calmed the storm, and an angel had to wake Peter up and cause the prison doors to fly open so that he could escape from Herod's clutches. Do you know the Prince of Peace? 
He can give you peace in the midst of a storm. He can give you peace with God and remove the fear of death and give you the assurance of eternal life. Right, let's now move on to praise. Praise is a sacrifice. We praise God for who He is. We praise Him even when we don't feel like it. King David said, I will not offer Him anything that costs me nothing. If we find difficult to praise, try reading the Psalms aloud. Psalm 69 verse 30 to 31 says, I will praise God's name in song and glorify Him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord more than an ox, more than a bull with its horns and hoofs. God is pleased when we offer Him sacrifices of praise. In the Old Testament, animal sacrifices had to be offered, but now Christ has offered Himself as a sacrifice once and for all for our sins. How often we take for granted how great a salvation He has bought for us. If we have nothing else to praise God for, we should praise Him for saving us. There is nothing we have in this world that we can take with us after we die. The real difference after we die is whether we have Christ in our lives or not. I like to think of praise as three types of useful tools. The first one is a faith generator. It's something that builds and releases your faith. Praise helps us to focus on who God is and what He can do. Praise releases our faith, especially when we praise using the Word of God, because faith comes from hearing and hearing the Word of God. Faith also pleases God. Hebrews 11 verse 6 Without faith, it is impossible to please God, for everyone who comes to Him must believe that He is, and He will reward those who diligently seek Him. Faith dispels fear. When fear strikes, we need to call on the Lord, and He promises to deliver us, and we will honour Him. When we give thanks in faith for what we believe He will do in our situation, fear has to go. You can't have both faith and fear, acting at exactly the same time in your mind or heart. If we are suffering or in difficulty, you might ask, how can I rejoice? Because the Bible does say, rejoice in suffering. Let me read Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom He has given us. When we get the revelation through the Holy Spirit, pouring His love into our hearts, that God truly loves us, even when no one else seems to care, or our family and friends have disappointed us. When we get that revelation, we can truly have hope. And we know hope is the blueprint of faith. So when we have faith, 
we can then enter into His grace. So what is grace? Grace is receiving the good things that we don't deserve. So we can rejoice in suffering because we know by faith that we are standing in His grace. And when we are standing in His grace, God says He will make all grace abound to you so that at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God gives grace to the humble. God of grace will lift you up, perfect you, establish and strengthen you. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. The second tool I like to think of praise is, praise is a magnifying glass. David said, magnify the Lord with me. So what does a magnifying glass do? Praise makes God look bigger than your problem. So what changes your focus? Instead of dwelling on the problem and getting discouraged, your faith is released and you begin looking to God for solutions. A believing heart will receive solutions faster than a doubting one. Finally, praise is a weapon of warfare. This is my favorite chapter, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. In this chapter, we will explore the different Hebrew words used to describe praise. By doing this, it will give us a better idea of the types of praise, the significance of praise, and the power of praise when we face the battles in life. So, in this story, a vast army is coming up against King Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, and the people of Judah. What does he do? The first thing he does is to inquire of the Lord. And in verse 13, it says that all the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones, stood there before the Lord. This verse shows me that it's important that we teach our children to praise and worship. It's not just for the adults. It then goes on to say in verse 14 that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jahazel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. Now this is interesting because Asaph was one of King David's worship leader. And in Psalm 73, we know that he almost gave up hope when he saw the wicked around him prospering. But he kept his eyes on the Lord and he said, Whom have I in heaven but you? There is nothing on earth I desire besides you. My heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So, verse 14 shows me that if we stand firm and keep our eyes on the Lord and keep praising and worship Him, worshipping Him like Asaph did and generations after that, God will use generation after generation to do a mighty work, just as he used Jehaziel to bring the word of deliverance to King Jehoshaphat and the people. I go on to verse 15. Jehaziel said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. Verse 17, 
you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. So early the next morning, Jehoshaphat gathered the people and said to them, Have faith in the Lord your God. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. Now we're coming to the key verses. Verse 21. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. So let's go back and look at verse 21 and 22 again. Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing and praise him. The word praise here comes from the Hebrew word halal which means to shine, to flash forth light be boastful, celebrate. We are all familiar with the word hallelujah, halal, to praise Yah, the Lord. So when we say hallelujah, it is like we are shining forth the light of the Lord that breaks and dispels the darkness. Remember, Jesus is the light of the world. The verse goes on to say, they went out at the head of the army saying, Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. The word thanks here comes from the Hebrew word yada, which means to throw, to shoot arrows, to cast down. So in a sense, the people were shooting spiritual arrows of praise as they stood their ground in faith, believing that God would fight for them and deliver them from their enemies. Finally, verse 22 as they began to sing and praise the Lord, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mausir, and they were defeated. So the word praise here comes from the root word tahilah, which means praise that demands, um, excuse me, praise that is demanded by attributes, qualities, or deeds of God. So in other words, this praise here is talking about making God famous, just like we would talk about people we admire or who are famous. And when they praise God in that way, the enemies were defeated. Right, let's, let's look at the results of praise. From this passage, praise resulted in victory over enemies, deliverance, prosperity, favor let's look at the results of praise from this passage we see that praise results in victory over enemies deliverance prosperity favor good of every kind peace and rest let me read you from second chronicles chapter 20 verse 25 so jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder. And they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing, 
and also articles of value more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakah, where they praised the Lord. That is why it is called the valley of Barakah to this day. Then led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem, for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lutes and trumpets. And the fear of God came upon all the kingdoms of the countries when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel, and the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. So we see here that following praise, they receive deliverance from the enemies and receive peace and rest. In verse 27, it says that they rejoiced over their enemies. Rejoice here comes from the Hebrew word samach, which means to rejoice, to, to exalt, be glad, to have loud expressions of joy, like when merry with wine. But we are called not to be drunk with wine, but to be filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Two other results of praise is a new walk and a new talk. By new walk, I mean good works. Praise is linked with good works. Psalm 50 verse 23 in the New King James Version says, Whoever offers praise glorifies me, and to him who orders his conduct, I will show the salvation of God. So when you praise the Lord, you honor him and you walk in righteousness. Good action follows praise. Another example, Hebrews chapter 13. Therefore, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, the fruit of lips giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to good, do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. So these, these are examples of two New Testament sacrifices that please and honour God. Thirdly, praise causes us to have a new talk. In Psalm 50 verse 23, in a different version, that's the King James Version, it says, whoever orders his conversation glorifies me. Talk affects our walk away in life and the walk of others. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 16, it says, avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. On the other hand, we are encouraged to think good thoughts as well as to speak good words. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says, There should not be any obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Verse 19 in Ephesians 5 says, Speak to one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when do we praise? Always and at all times. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 Be joyful always, pray continually. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Are you in extreme trouble or difficulty? 
Let's praise him in the night. For example, Paul and Silas were attacked by the crowd. They were stripped, beaten, flogged, thrown into prison and put in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God in the prison. And what happened? An earthquake happened and the prison doors opened. So finally, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Romans chapter 12, verse 12. Let's just take some time to reflect on what we've heard. Do we need to call to life things in our lives that have died? Could it be the desire to praise and worship God, to read His Word, or to pray? Are we going through trouble or suffering? Let's start thanking God for answered prayer. Let's release our faith. Or maybe you need Jesus as your Savior. Ask Him today to forgive your sins and receive Him as your Savior, for He is the only one that can take away and forgive your sins. Obey Him as your Lord, for you can trust Him with your life, for He is the life giver.